I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> Kia ora everybody. I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. Today we are lucky enough to hear from Renee about the birth story of her beautiful daughter Emmy. I really hope you enjoy it, it's a good one. Hi, Renee. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm really happy to have you on the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. No worries. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about you and your family? Sure. So my name is Renee. Uh, I married a guy called Steve, which is going to blow everybody's minds because on Instagram, (laughs) his name is Julio. And we have one daughter. Her name is Amelia Hazel, but we call her Emmy for short. We live in a little place called Maihihi, which is between Otrahanga and Te Aumutu, and my husband is a beef farmer, so we live on the farm. Awesome. Very cool. And what was the journey like to pregnancy for you? Well, we were really lucky. I can hear the eye rolls from here. We've had a lot <laughs> of very um, of close friends and people we know who have really, really struggled to conceive, so... When we got married, we thought that we should probably give it a nudge. I'm a bit on the mature side for conception, so we thought, oh, we should probably start not not trying now and just because it might take us a while. And, of course, uh, it took us a month. So we're that yeah. couple that everybody loves to hate who, luckily for us, we had, we had no issues. It was a bit of a surprise. Um, we sort of were settling in for a 6, 12, 18-month sort of haul and yeah it happened quite quickly for us yeah awesome well that's very lucky like you say and how did you find out that you were pregnant did you just take a test or you had other early symptoms no I I had a bit of an inkling I had went to a friend's opening of her warehouse and I had one glass of bubbles and I was like ooh, I don't (laughs) feel great and this was really early days so I was like, hmm, and then I took a test uh, a week later, the day before my period was due, and I've talked to a couple of people this has happened to. took the test, it was negative, and I was like, oh, okay, righto, and then walked out of the bathroom, and because I'm an untidy person, I didn't put it in the bin, which was lucky. I just left it on uh, on the vanity there and came back. In five minutes, which is what you're supposed to do if you read the instructions, and it was positive, and I was like, "Oh, oh, wow, oh, okay, right, right, okay, awesome." And did you have any other pregnancy symptoms throughout your nine or so months of being pregnant? 
I did. So hyperemesis runs in my family. So I was quite nervous about that. And I hit six yeah. weeks on the dot and started getting sick. And I thought, oh, this this could be really bad. Once again, I was really lucky and I didn't get I didn't get hyperemesis like everybody else did. I just got, you know, the standard sort of morning sickness, I guess, and that was from six to twelve weeks. I got um my anxiety started probably at six weeks, um, maybe a little bit before, and then I ended mm-hmm. up with quite bad um antenatal depression. So that I had that I thought it was just a first trimester thing because I wasn't feeling very well and I didn't have any energy. I'm self-employed and I couldn't actually work for that first trimester. So I thought, oh, maybe this is just making me feel a bit poos about life and it'll be fine when I get into the second trimester. And it just wasn't. So I um, suffered really badly with anxiety and depression for my whole pregnancy right up until she was born. And were you seeing or talking with anyone about that or how were you managing that emotionally? So I see, um, I'm just smiling to myself because I'm, I'm a little bit woo-woo and I opted not to be medicated. Um, I'm, yeah. I have had anxiety and depression in the past and I have chosen not to be medicated and it was just my personal preference not to be medicated. So I um, went back to work. Um, I got an amazing, understandable client and she was great. And so we just worked together. On my good days, I'd gone to the office, which was really good for me to get out, get off the farm and, and get my head into something else. I have an energy lady who I go and see, and she she was fabulous. So I go and try and go and see her every six weeks. I think I went every four weeks yeah. during my pregnancy just to check in with her and check in with myself and feel, um yeah, it was really good. I really, that was sort of the way that I, I do things. Um, I should have exercised more and... <laughs> And didn't because I just didn't have the energy. But next time around, I think yeah. I would I would definitely be trying to, to exercise more. Awesome. And did you go to any antenatal classes or anything like that before you went into labour? I did. I did. Um, I did. Yes. And and we should probably not go into that. But I, no, I did. And I okay. um, <laughs> met some lovely, lovely ladies. Um, and and that's good. So we've got our coffee group of a huge, huge um, three of us meet for coffee once a week, yeah. and it's great. They are lovely, lovely ladies. Uh, Anti, I, um, I think I just, I just had a bit of personality difference with the instructor. Um, yeah. I'm sort of, I'm, I'm pretty because I'm, you know, I'm 35 now, and I'm almost the last cab off the ranks. So a lot of my friends <laughs> and family have had babies. So I've seen. Yeah. Anything and everything happen in the lead up, pregnancy, labor, um, with babies. So I'm quite open minded that anything could, you know, sort of happen at any time. And I was quite aware of that. And, um, it was, I sort of found it was quite sort of surface, like this is, you know, this is what you do and this is how you sort of go, go into it. And I was, um, she was quite anti intervention, um, which is, which is absolutely fine. Everybody, Everybody sort of has their own position on it, but it was just unusual for an instructor to be so anti-intervention when you know that saved my friends and that saved their babies in the past. So we probably had a yeah. had a slight difference of opinion um, in some cases, and I was quite agnostic about breastfeeding going into into birth. Um, very agnostic about the way I birthed. I I, um, I didn't really have a plan. I was open to you know anything sort of happening at any stage. And um, 
yeah, so I found it was a, a lot of it was was breastfeeding related, which is just just the way that the course is structured and um yeah. yeah. But I but I ended up with two very lovely ladies and they've had two beautiful little girls and um Emmy's got her own girl gang already. <laughs> oh, perfect. So not all bad. No, not at all. Very good. And did you go into labor naturally or what was that experience like for you? I did. I did. So I was, um, the closer I got to labor, I, I felt like I'd been quite relaxed about the whole labor side of things. Uh, the closer I got to labor, the more anxious I got about labor. Um, and I, as, as always happens, people share their worst case scenario stories with you, which is yeah. pretty much the only reason I wanted to share mine. Um, so I was terrified that I was going to have to be induced. I was terrified I was going to be in labor for days and end up with an episiotomy and forcep delivery. Not that that is, there's not that there's anything at all wrong with that, but just getting, um, I just got into my own head far too much in the lead yeah. up to labor, um, which was all wasted energy as it turned out because I was woken up at about two, I think on a Saturday morning. My husband was actually supposed to be milking cows that day. She doesn't really do very often. <laughs> So I got up, got onto the couch. I, I sort of went sort of head into contractions. They were two minutes long and five minutes apart right from the start. And my husband got up five to go and get the cows in. And he said, oh, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I think I'm going to have a baby today. And he was like, oh, are you serious? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty serious. So, yeah, we sort of we got into it pretty quick. So we, we, live, we live out of town, obviously, so um, – Lucky, lucky! I was pretty relaxed about how it was going to play out because the original plan was that we would drive to Cambridge to my parents' place, and my midwife or her backup would meet us there, do a bit of an assessment, and sort of catch a plan from there, depending on how we were going. So that was what we did. Um, Labor sort of stalled in the car on the way there, and then got to my parents and got in the shower, and that was amazing. And I, I ran yeah. the hot water cylinder out of water, so I don't know how long I was on there for, <laughs> but it was that was my favourite bit, <laughs> retrospectively. <laughs> and then, of course, three contractions over a minute apart within 10 minutes. Call the midwife. So we did, and uh, the backup was away somewhere, so I ended up with a locum midwife. And that was made me a little bit nervous, and my husband was sort of repeating yeah. the whole story. Um, and she was in Hamilton, which, and she said, oh, look, I'll just have to meet you at the birth center. So, so we did, we met her at the birth center and, you know, as luck would have it, my labor pretty much completely stalled on the way to the birth center. I was vomiting a lot and had a bit of a doozy on the way, got to the birth center, had a mini meltdown to my husband and just said, oh, I want to go home. I want to <laughs> go home. Um, did not cope yeah. well with, with the changing, changing of space, um, yeah, just being in a different environment was, was quite interesting for me, and I, I didn't probably cope too well. I met the midwife at the birth centre, which was <laughs> interesting, uh, because not yeah. obviously what anybody expects to do, and I didn't know what I was expecting. There was no uh, VE, so I was expecting one of those. She was like, oh, no, I won't do one, and I was, and that was all I knew about labour was that you went in, and, you, you know, everybody talks about their story, and they're always talking about centimetres. And I was this many centimeters when this happened, and that many centimeters, and I had zero VEs, so uh, I have no idea how many centimeters I was at any time. So jumped into the pool, and I and I got prematurely excited, and I said to my husband, "I think we're going to have a baby by lunchtime." And the midwife said, "I think we're going to have a baby by lunchtime." 
this was at eight o'clock in the morning and I was mildly smug that I was going <laughs> to push this uh, small child out. We didn't know what the gender of the baby was. So I just thought, yeah, this is it. So I spent three hours in the pool and nada, not nada, you know, just uh, I went into transition quite early and then got out of the pool, got onto the bed and I transitioned for another two hours and the midwife said yeah. that that was the longest transition she had ever seen. So that was a five-hour transition. So that's for anybody who hasn't isn't aware of the lingo. I'm self-taught, but that's that's the bit where you pray for death. So for five hours, <laughs> pray for death. Yeah. And then um, I just couldn't get any. I couldn't get any fluids in. I couldn't get any water in. I felt really, really sick. Uh, and she, uh, I, I was kind of, I was, at, I was at the end and I just said, because I couldn't stand up, I had no energy, a terrible, terrible reflux and I just said to her, I need to go to the hospital now because I, I need some drugs. And because the unfortunate sort of situation was that she didn't know my birth plan, she didn't have my records, I hadn't brought my yeah. records thinking that the midwife would have the login, et cetera, et cetera. So she, I, I think that she assumed I was anti-intervention and so she had been leaving me to labour on my own, thinking that that's what I wanted. And I obviously didn't have a preference. But as soon as I said, I'd like to go to the hospital now, I need some drugs, she uh, she put up some IV fluids and anti-nausea. And within half a bag, I was I was ready. So I got off the bed, went to the bathroom, waters broke on the toilet. And I thought my waters had already broken, but that, you know, that was the hind waters. And I was like... I think we're ready to push. By this stage, it was just after six p.m. and um and I so she was like, I'm gonna run the I'm gonna run the pool, and that's when I got excited because I was like, no, this is <laughs> this is really it. And then got back in the pool, and I I thought um that was that was an interesting time, as as many people would know, just just getting that baby out that was just like yeah. nothing on earth. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah. And then, um, so I got a head out and we still didn't know, obviously, what gender she was, but got a head out and the midwife said to me, now look from here, it could be 10 minutes or it could be two hours. And I just said, I just said, no, nah, I, don't, I don't have two hours left in the tank. So <laughs> another push yeah. and she was there. Yeah. Um, interestingly, you know, as soon as she was out, I, like all of my pregnancy symptoms, disappeared and people say this and you're like whatever you kind of roll your eyes a little bit you're like how can I how could I not feel this heaviness and this heartburn and this reflux and this waddling but for me as soon as as soon as she sort of came out I just jumped out of the pool and got back on the bed and my husband said that my entire my whole face just was completely different and I just had like this lightness about me that I hadn't had because I'd been suffering so badly with the anxiety and depression he said it was yeah. just like all of a sudden I was back and I had this little little baby, baby girl. Yeah, amazing. And it was a surprise, you said, wasn't it, that you were having a girl? It was a surprise. So I was convinced for the first half of the pregnancy it was a girl. Then I changed my mind and decided it was a boy. And the <laughs> midwife kept saying the whole way through, because obviously they checked the heart rate the whole time and she said she's fine, she's doing well. And I was like, and I got really close to the end and I said to her, we don't know what we're having. You know, I think it's a boy, so if, if it comes out and it's a boy, I don't want you to freak out thinking that we've been told it's a girl, um, and then it came yeah. out it was a girl. So 
So so she was right, and she said, oh, I could just tell by her heart rate, which I thought was an old wise tale, but there we go. We had, we had a little girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. And how was your sort of experience recovering from birth? Did you need stitches or anything like that? Oh, look, once again, lucky. Very lucky. Nothing. Like, not, not yeah. a thing. I was no, very, <laughs> very surprised. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and that's why I wanted to share my story because what I yeah. thought I was in for in terms of induction, physiotomy, forceps, a long recovery, you know, I was even sort of anticipating one of those awful tears that some poor women have and and I didn't have any of yeah. it. And I was, so I sort of came out really surprised that, uh, that it was that experience for me and, and I feel like not enough people talk about the really amazing experience that they had doesn't feel amazing at the time yeah. I don't I don't want to sort of give anyone false <laughs> hope but in terms of yeah I sort of bounced out of it much 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 better than I would ever have anticipated and I felt a bit sort of disappointed with myself that I doubted myself so much and that I had wasted so much energy being so anxious about something that turned out yeah. to be to be well within my capability yeah yeah, fair enough. And did you try to breastfeed initially or what was that experience like for yes. you? No, we did. We did. I did. My husband wasn't doing any yeah. breastfeeding. So we had, had <laughs> a lot of conversations before before the birth. So my mother really struggled with breastfeeding. All the women in her family really, really struggled with breastfeeding and all the women in my dad's family are amazing at it. So I it could have gone either way for me and I was well aware that it could have gone either way and I didn't want to pin my hopes on being really, really good at it and then being disappointed. Yeah. I was I'm I'm high risk for P and D anyway, just because of my mental health issues I've had in the past, but even more so because yeah. of my A and D. So I was hyper aware that I needed to be really on top of it to if it was going to be coming, I needed to catch it early. And I and I felt like my P and D would have a lot of correlation to how well I breastfed. So we were really lucky the minute we got to the room, so she's only hours old, the midwife who was on duty at the birth centre, she diagnosed her as tongue and lip tie straight away. So we knew that we had that on our plate, which was really, really helpful. So then the help that we had was around the fact that she was she was gonna have difficulty latching. Uh, yeah. Being farmers, we know the importance of colostrum. That's what's drummed into us all the time. So <laughs> we were um, we were really hot on the trail with the colostrum, and once again, I was super lucky. I the colostrum came through and in, in droves, and and she was really good for those first couple of days. But we just the latching just didn't happen for us. It was really, really, really hard. Um, I have Raynards as well, and I was unaware yeah. that I had it in my nipples because. They went white, they went blue at the start. So I just thought that I had managed to not have it. I didn't have it my whole pregnancy and I just thought, oh, I'm, I'm not going to get it. So we thought it was just a latching issue. So we, we raced in and we got her lip tie lasered and her tongue tie lasered and you know, everybody assured us that she'd be, it would be night and day and she'd be feeding amazingly and, and she just didn't. She just never fed amazingly. Um, and I had all the advice from all the people about latch like this, and hold like this and do this. And, and we yeah. tried really, really hard and it got to the point where I would, I would almost cry at the thought of feeding her. And you know, my husband would say, I think she's hungry. And I'd be 
oh no 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 I don't think she is hungry I think it's wind and I sort of I'm pretty self-aware and I caught myself and I was like I'm I'm making excuses not to feed my baby that's that's not good at all um obviously it was so incredibly painful for me that my entire body would tense up and I would you know I'd be biting my hand while she fed and you know she she knows that so I started expressing and, and bottle feeding her that way she also had really bad colic she would just screen the house down for four five six hours just inconsolable yeah. and I was home on my own um unfortunately for Emmy and this is what happens when you when you're when you get pregnant sooner than you anticipated she was born right at the start of silage season so for my husband <laughs> it means really long hours in the tractor and the pun is true you've got to make hay while the sun shines so from five days yeah. on, I was at home on my own with her. He was he was out for 15, 16 hours a day, and I was at home on my own. So it's it's a long time to sort of be at home struggling with feeding, and you know they cost yeah. to feed, and and I couldn't get up and get water or get up and make myself a stack. And it was it was probably quite a stressful time. And for well, on the third day, when I fell into bed and just bawled my eyes out at night time, I just um, my husband made the call. He just said, formula, we're going to do formula. And I was like, yep, okay. Yeah. So we mixed feed. Um, I took her off the boob and we, and we, I, I pumped. I used a milk bar pump and they are amazing. So I used, used that and I pumped and I would feed her with that and top her up with formula and we did we did really well like that. And we was, it was almost like night and day. You know, there it goes again, the old night and day cliche, but it was. And yeah. she, was, she was a different kid. Um, she was losing weight. Um, all sorts of things and you know that that sort of was putting pressure on me and stress on me and I and I just said no we'd always said that if she was losing weight and she wasn't happy she'd she'd go into formula so I was really lucky I had incredible support from my mum and my mother-in-law and and all of my friends have just been you know there's been no judgment whatsoever and everybody's like you've got to do what's right for you and that really genuinely is what's been right for us um, unfortunately her, and I, I talk about this just so that people know. So unfortunately her tongue tie wasn't fixed. Uh, so all this time I'm sort of thinking that I'm not getting the hang of it when, because you know, her latch was supposed to be so much better. And when we went for our follow-up appointment at the tongue tie place, you know, they said, Oh no, her, her tongue tie is all sorted now. She should be latching amazingly. So I was like, Oh, it's me. But but the tongue tie that she has can't be fixed with a water laser. It needs to be cut. And so it was just an unfortunate conflict of interest because it was obviously done privately yeah. and you pay the bucks and, and they do the procedure. So it's sort of, they can't really say to you, oh, no, it hasn't worked. She's going to need to go and get it done again somewhere else. So yeah. we're still on the waiting list to be seen, to have it, you know, to even have an appointment at Waikato Hospital. So, I, so I'm extra glad that, you know, my husband made the call for me. Otherwise, we'd still be struggling now with me thinking that her tongue tie was all good and it was just an issue with me and I just needed to try harder. Yeah, for sure. And once you gave birth, I know that you said your symptoms of um, pregnancy sort of went away. Was that including your anxiety and depression or how did you feel emotionally once you were at home? I felt really good. Um, I obviously had... I didn't get, I think it's, what is it, is it the three-day or the five-day blues? And I was waiting for those. Yeah. Mine hit day 10. 
And I, um, in true Renee worst case scenario fashion, I went, ah, oh, here we go. Here's the PND. I've been waiting <laughs> for this. Um, and so I bawled, I think, for 24 hours straight. And once again, I've got some lovely, lovely friends, and they said, no, 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 it could just be the baby blues. Just hang in, just, you know, sing out, but hang in. And, and I was just adamant that I was going downhill. And then just, it did, it disappeared. And then obviously day 14 was when we, was when we switched out the feeding and, and I've, I've yeah. got really good and I feel sort of <laughs> unduly cocky saying, no, 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 I feel good. But I think yeah. compared to the way that I felt during my pregnancy, I feel, I feel really good. The anxiety, the anxiety, a lot of my anxiety was about what may or may not be happening to her in utero um, and what to expect when she's yeah. born in terms of, was she going to be okay? Um, I was one of those pregnant women that was adamant that, that, their child was going to die in utero, which is just was just a horrible thing to to carry for that whole time. Yeah. And so now that she's here and I can see her, and yeah, I'm it's it's a whole different experience for me, which is which yeah. is really good. It wasn't what I was expecting. Yeah, well, it sounds like your birth experience and probably post birth as well has been really different to what you had expected it to be. I just really wanted to people to. Maybe think about the best case scenario. So for me, a water birth yeah. completely drug free was best case scenario, but I didn't have my heart set on that. I'd never done it before. Obviously I'd never labored. I'd never given birth and I just, and I was more than open. I think I said to you in my email when I first got pregnant, I spent a lot of time thinking about how I could get myself an elective C-section uh, because birth <laughs> yeah. terrified me. And it was it was around the waiting and not knowing, and I just decided I would much rather schedule it in, book in a time and a place, go and get it done, and come home with my baby. Then I sort of thought about the logistics of living 30 kilometres from town and not being able to drive for six weeks. And lucky that didn't happen because obviously Steve was at work from day five. So then I decided yeah. that I was going to be in a hospital. I was not having, not doing a birthing center. I was going to be in the hospital and I was going to have an epidural and all the drugs. And then I, then I read the hypnobirthing book and, and got all earth mother and decided that maybe <laughs> I would try and start at the hospital, start at the birth center, get in the pool, see how I went, um, and just sort of back myself. And, and if it got too much transfer up to the hospital or obviously if, if something wasn't quite going right then to transfer to the hospital and so to sort of retrospectively be like oh, I ended up with what was best case scenario for me and I had never entertained the idea that I might get the best best case scenario so that was yeah. sort of the whole reason behind sharing is that sometimes sometimes you get the best case scenario well thank you so much for joining me today Renee and sharing your story I think that the listeners will really enjoy it so thank you thank you for having me thanks again thanks so much for listening to this episode of the kiwi birth tales podcast i really hope you enjoyed it i'd love to hear your feedback so either leave a review on the podcast app that you're listening on or head to our instagram at kiwi birth tales and leave a comment there if you're interested in sharing your birth tale then please head to the instagram page and use the email link to get in touch thanks again for listening i really look forward to sharing the next episode with you Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.